Thank you, Dave and Kelly. The words in that last verse introduce well the thought we're going to consider from God's Word in the time that remains. Uh, we are going to postpone getting back to Ecclesiastes here for another week and uh, go to a different text of Scripture this morning, which I'll give you in just a moment. But I want you to think about my question, all right? For some of you, this may take a lot of thought. For others of you, maybe not so hard. The question is this. When was the last time you ran? I'm tempted to ask you about the circumstances. For some of you, it might have been for fun. For others of you, it might have been because of fear. But I wonder, when was the last time you ran? The other question that I won't put you on the spot, I'll answer for you, is how was it? Because the answer for that is really easy. It was miserable. I would guess there are probably very few in here like, it's great, can't wait to do it again. Those are probably the people who can answer the next question pretty easily. I say, so when was the last time you ran? And some of you might be able to identify, oh, it was last week. It was last month. It was last year. It was in high school. I don't remember. Right? Like, when was the time before that? Like, were they close? Or were they really far? Again, I would guess the majority of us are like, man, I just don't enjoy that. In fact, I kind of consider myself one of those experts on excuses and reasons not to run. It hurts. Like right now, it's actually really easy to come up with excuses. It was the holidays, Christmas, New Year's, time with family, priorities, right? And go, ah, I'm getting older. Schedule is full. It's dark outside in the morning before I go to work. And it's dark outside at the end of the day when I come home. You know, and nobody really wants to run in the dark. There's many, many reasons. Maybe we're just one of those people like, yeah, it might be a good idea, but who really does that? I mean, and then if we're like really honest, like, you know the self-discipline required to regularly run? I feel like this should be the announcement for like the Bible Baptist Church running group that meets on Thursday mornings or like, you know, the 5K later on in March. I, I don't know. It's not. You don't have to worry. But I do want to remind you that in the text of Scripture, a number of different times, God takes our Christian life and compares it to a race that is to be run. In fact, that theme is frequent enough that it ended up in the final verse of the words that Nate just sang for us. I didn't know that. That's one of those things that the Spirit of God just puts together uh, where it says, put strength in every stride. Give grace for every hurdle. We're going to run this race in faith, which fits really well for our text this morning, which is familiar. It's Hebrews chapter 12. I encourage you to turn there so we can see the words from God and not just listen to me, but to see what has God said in the actual words of Scripture. And again, we could go to 1 Corinthians 9, know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. We could go to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and talk about how when we compete, we're, we 
only win if we do so according to the rules or we do so lawfully. We could go to the familiar words of Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4 where he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I've kept the faith. Thinking about it this week as the Lord directed me, I was studying for Ecclesiastes 8, those who were here on Wednesday know, I was thinking that's where we were going and God took my mind to this text just in circumstances in my life, some of your lives, and go, you know what, we're going to go a different direction this morning as we celebrate our church's anniversary and look at Hebrews 12. But you know, as I was thinking about it this week, I'm like, man, I like all those texts that talk about walk. You like those? Walk in the Spirit. Walk in love, Ephesians 5.2 or 1 John 4. Or how about walk in the light in 1 John chapter 1? I mean, there are lots of New Testament verses that talk about walking. And we're like, I like those. I mean, most of us are pretty good in our regular lives. Like, I did not have to ask you this morning, so when was the last time you walked? But on the other hand, when we hit these texts, like if we really stop and think about what they're calling us to do, we might go, that's a level of discomfort that I don't like. But I hope you'll find challenge, as I found challenge from the text of Scripture this week, to go, you know what, with faith, firm, committed belief in God and His Word, I don't just want to walk through the rest of my life. I want to run. Discipline is going to be required. Discomfort is going to occur. God, through His Spirit, whether in 1 Corinthians 9, 2 Timothy 2, 2 Timothy 4, or Hebrews 12, could have said, walk in faith. And that would have been a great biblical thought. But those texts all carry a greater intensity than just walking. They carry a greater discipline and discomfort than just walking. In fact, if I jump ahead here for just a moment, uh, in Hebrews 12, when it says, run with patience the race, we don't need to be any Greek scholars in here, but that word race is the word agon. We get our word agony from it. And I'm like, man, that's a really good word. I I get it. I said earlier, like, how was it? I said miserable. We could say agony. It was rough. And yet he's telling us, run that agonizing race with patience. We've talked about that word patience many times before. It's two words put together, and it means to remain under, to stay under. Like, I don't know about you, but the few times that I do run, I like it when it ends. I don't want to stay under. I don't want to keep running. I mean, that's the best part is when you're done. And he goes, no, in faith, the race that God puts in front of you, you run it with endurance. I want to unpack the text this morning just in the time that remains, largely looking at verses 1 through 3. We'll spend most of our time in verse 1, a good amount in verse 2, and then we're going to fly through verse 3 and leave maybe some work for you to study on your own through the rest of the verse. There are three primary thoughts that I'd like to put before us this morning, and the first as we come to verse 1 is simply this, run with remembrance. Run with remembrance. We might also say it this way, faith remembers. He starts out and says, wherefore, 
seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. That word witnesses is that word martyr or testimony. Like, here's all these people who can say, look, we've been there. We've been through it. We're here to tell you about it. It is worth living in faith. Don't quit. And so they're able to say, it is something that is worth doing. Again, Hebrews chapter 11, as you well know, is that uh, hall of faith chapter where we're told that person after person after person from the Old Testament, they lived in faith, they lived in faith, they lived in faith, in all kinds of circumstances. And maybe we should just go ahead and remind ourselves now before we walk through just a few of them, they did so in very imperfect ways. Like, they're sinful people just like you and me, who have chosen to believe God And they are still imperfect, but their faith was worth it. And now they're this great cloud of testimonies, this great cloud of witnesses saying, now you run your race. Remember Hebrews 11.1, that faith is that confident, expectant hope in what cannot be seen. Right? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. To go, I have not seen God. You have not seen God, but to go, I believe that he is. I believe that his word is true. So what does that faith look like in this great cloud of witnesses? Like we say, okay, run with remembrance. I'm supposed to think back to these testimonies of of all these, and we don't have time to go through all of Hebrews 11 this morning. You well know that. But I want to point out a few examples very quickly and look at this idea of the obedience of faith. As we consider run with remembrance, let's look at the obedience of faith. You go to Hebrews 11.4, you're reminded that faith worships. I mean, Abel offered a, this excellent sacrifice in worship to God. It's the reason why we're here this morning. I hope we enjoy good fellowship both this morning and this evening, but we're not just here because it's like, well, I enjoy seeing that person. We are here because we believe God. We believe that we need to hear from him today. We believe that we need to worship him today. We believe that he has gifted us whereby the gathering together is essential, that we need each other, that there is a work in each other's spiritual lives that a pastor cannot do that your spiritual gifts require. We could go on and on. Faith worships God. To go, God, whether I'm here gathered at church or I'm at home, I need to worship you. Secondly, I just remind you, faith believes. The familiar words in verse 6, believes what? Believes that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He is both real and he rewards. Again, that idea of diligently even is important for us as we consider faith. He he does not say faith believes that he is and that he is a rewarder of them who occasionally seek him or intermittently seek him. Like the text is calling us to run with endurance, with patience, the race set before us, diligently seeking God, believing him. I love the text of verses that comes about Hebrews 11, 20, 21, 22. In fact, it came up in our Sunday school class this morning as I was with the young adults. I'm like, I, I can't say anything because we're going to get to this in the message. And it's Matt's class to teach and not my class to teach. 
But you know, there's really cool stuff when you're in those verses because all the people in those verses are nearing death. And there's like an intriguing statement about Joseph, particularly in Hebrews 11, verse 22. Like, Joseph takes up a lot of your Bible in Genesis. Genesis 37 to Genesis 50 is about Joseph and God's working in Joseph's life. And you're like, why don't we talk about Joseph and uh, being thrown in a pit and forgiving his brothers? And why don't we talk about Joseph's wisdom in leading in Egypt? And why don't we talk about Joseph with uh, Potiphar's wife? And why don't we talk about Joseph with the butler and the baker? None of those things are there. Just the last little bit of Genesis 50 is referenced in Hebrews 11.22. Here's what it, out of anything you could pick about Joseph, the Spirit of God says, here's what you need to know about Joseph. He gave commandment concerning his bones. That's weird. But here's what it tells us. That all the way up until the end of his life, as death was knocking on his door, Joseph believes God. He's not going to be in the promised land, but he believes God's going to give it. This is a man who's been through unbelievable difficulty in life, betrayed by his family, sold into slavery, lied about by Potiphar's wife, unjustly imprisoned, forgotten about having revealed dreams, and yet in the midst of all of that, he keeps believing. He keeps believing. He keeps believing. He gets to the end of life, and they know that God told Abraham, then Isaac, then Jacob, they're going to have this land. Joseph's not in the land. But he still believes. And the text says he gave commandment concerning his bones. I thought of it this way, the way it hit me this week as I was preparing, where God took me, I'd say it this way, faith runs through. Faith runs through. You're like, what do you mean by that? You ever seen one of those races where people are getting close to the finish line at the last minute before they hit that ribbon going across? They kind of let up a little bit. They ease up. Could be. They get passed up along the way. No, we're told run through. Don't slow down. Don't let up. Don't start walking. Run through. Joseph's faith ran through. I love the fact that we're pointed to Joseph's faith at the end of his life, because while I'm not where many of you are, I do recognize well that as life and age continues on, sometimes belief and faith and running gets harder. You're in the thick of it as a young adult going, how are we going to make life work? Where am I going to live? How am I going to provide? What job am I going to have? And I'm, I lost this job and all this stuff's going on. And you're like, I got to trust God and I'm, I'm going to believe and I'm concerned about this. And, or maybe you find it simpler or easy. I don't know. But in those youthful years, there's energy there. There's focus there. Maybe God brings children along the way and you're like, man, I got to trust God. I mean, we need to be in church. We better be worshiping because we're believers. But you know, as we get older, whether it's the comforts of this life, the ability that affluence offers, the fact that parenting is behind us and the kids aren't there, we don't have to worry about that anymore, or the challenges physically with age, it's like, whew. and we're not running anymore, we're 
occasionally walking, sometimes just sitting, sometimes just sleeping. I love the fact, again, that you run into three verses where one right after the other after the other, culminating in Joseph, you go, these are approaching death and they're believing, which leads to the command to run in faith. And it doesn't matter if you're the youngest person in the room or the oldest person in the room. For all of us with different, unique challenges and struggles, we need to run in faith. We've looked at the obedience of faith, saying faith worships, faith believes. We could certainly say faith obeys. No, uh, 11.7, Noah builds an ark. 11.8, Abraham went. It's like, Abraham, where are you going? I don't know. Why are you going? God told me. Right? Counterintuitive to our day where we kind of work through everything and premeditate, and i got to have all the answers. Abraham just goes. Faith worships, faith believes, faith obeys. Can I remind you, faith suffers willingly. Think about Moses, right? Privileged. Grows up in Pharaoh's house. And yet Hebrews 11.25, those familiar words, he chooses rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He goes, I believe it's worth it. I'm willing to suffer because of faith. Faith worships, it believes, it obeys, it suffers. Can I remind you, faith overcomes? Like there is triumph in Hebrews 11. We can't talk about it at length for time, but Hebrews 11.33, it subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousnesses, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, in weakness were made strong, waxed valiant to fight, Turn to flight the armies of aliens as they invade as foreigners. Women receive their dead, raised to life again. That's the kind of faith we like. Like, man, this is great. Faith overcomes. God answered prayer. Then we immediately turn a corner in that verse and need to remind ourselves lastly in the obedience of faith that faith endures. Faith endures. Because right there after saying women receive their dead raised to life again, we're told others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. They were destitute, afflicted, tormented. Later on, we're told they wandered in deserts, in mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. Like, that's not the pleasant kind of Christian lifestyle that we expect or want in America, right? But it challenges us to go, here's a great cloud of witnesses. They worshiped, they believed, they obeyed, they suffered. They overcame, they endured. And then we're told, and these all died in faith, not having received the promise. <laughs> like, they continued to believe even though the Messiah had not yet come. God having provided some better thing for us. Because we can look back and say, he did come. Like our faith is not still waiting for the promise of the Messiah. 
We're told to look back and realize He came. And there is coming a day where He'll return. That's the obedience of faith. Very quickly, let's consider the outcome of faith. What are we told in Hebrews 11 from this faith that remembers as we try to run with remembrance? Well, one, we're told God is pleased. Remember Hebrews 11:6. now without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God is pleased when we persist and persevere in faith on him. To say, God, I will trust you. I will not let it waver in the midst of the worries of our day, the fears of our day, the busyness of our day, the the battles with the flesh and self-reliance. To go, God, I'm going to persist in trusting you. God's pleased. But can I also remind you, he rewards. Verse 6, he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In his time, in his way. Joseph kept believing. We need to keep believing. Job went through unbelievable difficulties. Like, you know what? Even if he slays me, even if he kills me, I will trust in him. He believed that God rewards. The outcome of faith is that God is pleased and he rewards. But I love two little statements that I left out earlier. One is found in verse 16 where he says, God is not ashamed to be called their God. These people, like Abraham, who got up, went, and left, it's like, you know what? For him, God is not ashamed to be called his God. Where God could look at the tempter, like what happens in Job 1, and look at the man like Abraham and go, you know what? That one's mine. He believes. He evidences my grace in his life. Or what we skipped in Hebrews 11, verse 38, that passing statement of whom the world was not worthy. Like, the world looks and goes, you guys are nuts for all that they went through in Hebrews 11. Could look at you and I on a far less scale and go, why do you give up that time on Sunday? Why do you believe? Why do you have to talk about why? It's like, you know what? The world doesn't understand But for those in Hebrews 11, we're told the world wasn't worthy of these who suffered for their faith. I guess like many of you, I like to read reviews these days. It almost bothers me how much I end up glancing at how many stars and why and what do they say. I mean, you come through Christmas and you're shopping. It's like, don't you kind of miss the day where you walk in the store and there's three options instead of going on the internet and there's 20,000 options? Like, sort of these purchased reviews, like, how did this happen? I can guarantee you this, as we look at Hebrews 11 very quickly and told of this great cloud of witnesses, their review, their testimony to faith is, it's worth it. Noah, building an ark, 40 years, being mocked, rejected, being a preacher of righteousness, he goes, worth it. Abraham getting up, leaving his homeland, not knowing where he's going, worth it. Cain or Abel worshiping his sacrifice, worth it. Joseph, worth it. Moses suffering, I mean, when he could have just stayed in Egypt, he goes, worth it. There's some severely flawed people in the text, but their faith is evident. They're exhibiting the fact that trusting God is worth it. Number one, run with remembrance. There is a great cloud of witnesses. Number two, 
run with endurance. Faith not only remembers, faith endures, right? We talked about running earlier, right? So I've been trying to do that for a while. We've talked about that before. And over Christmas, I, I gave you a lot of the excuses I talked about earlier. Yeah, it's Christmas. I need to spend time with family, and there's stuff to do. And man, I enjoyed Christmas until Monday came around. Last Monday, like, all right, I'm supposed to do this, right? We're supposed to get back after this. And I was reminded, as most of you well know, that there is an inverse relationship between eating and exercise. The more you enjoy eating the less you endure in exercise, right? You might be happier and a little heavier, but it's a whole lot harder to run. You go, great. Gotta shed those pounds. Gotta get back after it. Discipline's required. The text here is gonna tell us run with endurance and it reminds us of something that is common sense but far too often we don't stop to think about it or do it. You know how you run with endurance? You get rid of extra weight. You see, you know what, I don't, I don't need that. That doesn't help. It gets in the way. So we come to the Hebrew text of Hebrews 12 with this thought of running with endurance. Step one, by removing weights. It's really simple. How do we run with faith that endures, not walk, but run with a faith that endures. We remove extra weight. He tells us, let us lay aside every weight. I kind of laughed thinking about this last week because we live in a day when minimalism is promoted. I was talking to someone this week, like reading a book, like you're supposed to look at every item. Does this bring me joy? And if not, you get rid of it. Okay, like carry as many things, but there is some good things to not having the distraction of lots of stuff. Maybe even more so, I think about what it's like with um, all the diets that are out there today. Like there is a diet that will tell you to cut out everything. Uh, you know what the best diet is? Cut out sugar. Wrong. Cut out carbs. Okay. Uh, cut out this fat. I like the ones that are like cut out vegetables. Right? I mean, the, the, the whole lion diet, eat meat kind of, you know, idea. Like, hey, cut this out. Cut that out. Cut this out. Like, everybody's got a solution. You know, how, you know how the best thing to do is cut this out, cut that out, and it's constantly about reduce, 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 reduce. So let's just take a moment when we're like, hey, we're going through the garage or we're considering our diet or we're looking through stuff. What do we keep? What do we get rid of? When was the last time you looked at your life spiritually and said, you know what? You know what's getting in the way right now? This needs to go. What are the weights that keep you from running, not walking, but from running with endurance in faith on Christ? What is it that keeps you out of the Word? Right? Running does require discipline. It doesn't just happen. I, at least I'm guessing for like 99.9% .9 of us, running just doesn't happen. It's like, okay, I got I to gotta make sure I'm laying aside the weight. 
in order to make this happen. So what for you is it spiritually that keeps you out of the word? Or maybe it keeps you from being the spouse that God intends you to be as a husband or as a wife because God's told you this, and if you're going to trust him and believe him, what weight has to go? What about the weight that distracts you from being a good parent, from being faithful? What is the weight that distracts you from being a good employee that does your best for Jesus at church, going, not with eye service as men pleasers? What is the weight that keeps you from church? Right? From going, I'm going to run in faith. I'm going to run with endurance. In our day, there are so many weights, right? And I'll admit up front, this is something the Spirit of God has to guide you in because weights are not sins. We're going to get there in a minute. Weights are those things where it's like, this might be okay. In fact, there might be points where I go, this is a good thing but because it's weighing me down, it has to go, right? I mean, we talk about this one often. Maybe it's your phone. I, I, like, maybe you earlier, I'm like, why are you talking about being a parent, a spouse, an employee? Like, you know what might keep you from obeying God and being a good employee at work? Maybe it's your phone. Because instead of doing your job, you're distracted. You gotta wait. Maybe it's social media. A lot of time to be wasted there. Like if the statistics are true, man, maybe it's your hobby. Like instead of, instead of church, I got this, and man, I love this. Maybe it's your grown-up toys. Maybe the weight is the fear of missing out. I'm just, I, I got to be there. I got to know this. I got to know this. I got to know this. I, I got to stay in. I don't want to miss out instead of just being where God has called you to be, being who God has called you to be. Could be the internet, could be television show, could be your home. I wonder what the weights are. We're told to run with enduring faith the race that God's mapped out for us. I would call you to consider what slows you down. Number one, by removing weights. Number two, by repenting of sin. And the sin which doth so easily beset us. Certainly, if good things can slow us down, this only makes sense. Sin will trip us up. Most of us, I, I would guess all of us, really know what that's like if we're honest. You fail. You sin. You end up discouraged. You end up, whether you realize it or not, in bondage. You don't think you can. You begin to settle for less than God intended. You start to like the pleasure of sin, even knowing that pain comes after the fact that sin does bring forth death. It's like, well, but it just gives me a little bit of relief. It just gives me a little bit of pleasure. It just gives me a little bit of happiness. I wonder for you if there is a sin that grabs onto you and won't let go. It's holding onto your feet, tripping you up. And by the grace of God, to the glory of God, you need to say, God, I'm getting rid of that. God, would you forgive me? I am repenting of sin. I'm leaving that behind and turning to focus on you. Could be pride and selfishness. You have to be important. What others think is huge to you. And you just need to say, God, I think way too much about myself. God, would you help me? Would you humble me? Would you help me to think like Jesus where we're pointed to in just a moment? 
Maybe it's lying. You just can't bring yourself to let others know the truth about you. And so you're going to cover it up with all kinds of lies. Where, like, if you really stop and think about it, they don't really matter, but they're an offense before God and they're wrong. They're sin. Maybe it's anger. Things have to go your way, and if they don't, man, it goes. Certainly in our day, perhaps it's lust, pornography. To go, this is just hanging on to you. I mean, societally, they're talking about addiction because of physical consequences for sin. You know what I got? I have to repent of that. That is keeping me from running in faith with endurance. Maybe it's greed, jealousy, right? The comparison game. Oh, I, I have to have. I mean, we live in a culture that's constantly saying, you need more. You need more. We start thinking, I need more. I deserve that. Maybe it's laziness. Don't miss that one. That's the one we're real quick to give ourselves a pass on. The text calls us to run. You go, God, I don't want to be lazy. You, you told me the fool is the one who lives in laziness. Now, at the same time, I will remind us, I thought about doing this in a future week. I don't know if we will or not. But faith not only runs, faith rests. Okay? Faith does know how to rest. I mean, you just look at the whole idea of Israel taking a day off in the Sabbath. Faith believes God enough to go, I don't have to work today. We struggle with that one too. We're really prone to both ends of the spectrum. Okay? Perhaps it's laziness. Perhaps it's complaint, criticism. We live in a pretty critical day societally. And I would also say, living on the East Coast, we live in a pretty critical area as well. You go, God, I want my words to be marked by grace, to build up, to make things better, to show evidence that Jesus has changed my life. Maybe it's unkindness. Maybe it's discontent. And we could go on and on and on. Can I just remind you of this? If we're going to run in faith, the race God set before us, if we're going to endure it, we need to get rid of extra weight and we need to repent of sin. Sin will trip us up. We run with endurance by removing weight, secondly, by repenting of sin, third, simply by running in faith. End of the verse, let us run with patience the race that is set before us, right? This is the verb. The, the other uh, instructions, they come across as commands in the text, let us lay aside every weight, let us, uh, and the sin which does so easy. That's just a participle. That's kind of describing the way that you should go about it. Now we're given a verb. Now we're actually told, here's the point, be running in faith this race that is set before you. I loved that phrase, the race that is set before us. It reminds us that God in his sovereignty has marked out a plan. We live in a different day as a church and as individual believers than people did 30 years ago, than people did 50 years ago, certainly than all those people in Hebrews chapter 11, right? And so often there is a temptation in the human heart to go, you know, I wish we could go back to... I don't know what it would be for you, 
I remember what it was like 30 years ago. I wonder what it would have been like to be, you know, living in the 1850s. Not so sure that one would be great, but I don't know what it is for you. Oh, it's so hard today. You know what? God laid your race out. He knows the challenges, the hurdles, the joys, and the blessings. God knows every part of the race. We struggle with that, right? We like to know. Like if we decided, it'd be a very bad move. Like, you know what? Let's, let's, let's just do an illustration. We're all going to head out, suits, dresses, whatever, doesn't matter. We're going to go run. Like, where are we going? I'm not telling you. Like, you want to know the race. Like, how far? Uphill? That matters to me. I like downhill. Okay? What, what, what are the obstacles? What are the hurdles? How far? God knows all of that, and he's saying, in faith, just trust me. Just trust me. Run the race that has been set out for you. It is designed for your good and for his glory. It's that idea that came up in our Sunday school class this morning in James chapter 1. We were told to count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, worketh remaining under, same word there, because when endurance, when patience has its perfect work, you are perfect, you're mature, you're complete, you lack nothing. Your race is different than mine, our race is different than former generations. Is it easier, is it harder? Who knows? It doesn't really matter. The text tells me, tells you, tells us, Run remaining under, in faith, the race that is set before us. We've looked at the idea of run with remembrance, run with endurance. Number three, run with focus. Run with focus. This is our motivation right here. This is how you keep going, right? To go, I will continue to believe. I will continue to believe. I will continue to believe. So we run with focus. Consider first the activity of this focus. He says, looking. This is a present tense verb. Several of the verbs in the text are like point in time past action verbs. This one is present tense, speaking of an ongoing habit. Keep looking. Continually gaze. Perhaps readjustment is needed. The word indicates a shift of focus from one thing to another. Stop looking there and look at this. It's a little over a week ago. I was standing right down here on a Saturday, and I had a young man right here. And the wedding party's coming down the aisle, and I'm kind of like checking this young man out over here, and he's looking around. His parents are over here, okay? And, but, you know, there came a moment I looked at him where he looked like that, and his eyes did not move because his bride was coming down the aisle. And it was almost like nobody else was in the room because he's watching his bride. He stopped looking at anybody else, and he was focused on one person. That's good. We like that at a wedding. If he was up here like, no, oh, they look good up there, we'd be like, what's your problem? Right? Now think about it when the text in Hebrews 12, 2 says, stop looking at something else and be looking at Jesus. 
I don't know about you, but I'm awfully good at looking and going, well, you know, the way they pastor over there, or what that family over there in the church, or, or that friend, and we can look at all kinds of people, right? I, I think about it in light of Jesus' words to Peter in John 21. Peter went back and went fishing, and Jesus comes back to Peter. Remember, they catch a huge amount of fish when Jesus tells them, cast your nets on the other side. Jesus prepares a meal. Peter's like, that's the Lord. He jumps over off the side of the boat and goes swimming for shore to meet Jesus, right? Jesus asked Peter the question, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter's like, yes, I love you. I love you. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And uh, Jesus begins to tell Peter, like, Peter, you got some hard things in the days ahead. You're going to go where you didn't want to go. And Peter's like, Lord, what about this guy? And it seems to be John that he's referring to in the text. This is right at the end of John 21. What about him? And Jesus looks at Peter and says, what is that to you? <laughs> like, it doesn't matter what his race is. You run yours. Here we're being told, you run your race looking at Jesus. Don't look at anything else. Look at him. Beyond the activity of the focus, consider, more importantly, the attention of the focus. Jesus the one who is the author and finisher of our faith. He's the initiator and completer is the idea. He started it and he will finish it. I'm already running past time, so I won't take the time to go there, but you jot down Philippians 1.6, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 and 24. What God starts, he always finishes. So just trust him, look to him. He both did the work, he now does the work. He is the initiator and completer. He also endured and is exalted. He, for the joy of finishing his course, he, for the joy of providing eternal salvation, he, for the joy of finishing the Father's plan, despised the shame, the humility, the mockery, the agony of the cross. But he says, I will endure because of the joy. It is worth it. And as a result, he now sits exalted at the throne of God. Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. In joy, he finished his race. He endured the incredible humiliation of the cross. Again, we would do well to really look and consider what that would mean for Christ. Far too often, we look at it almost in a selfish way, like, man, I'm glad he did that for me. Instead of stopping to really consider, what did that mean for him? And how does that motivate me in whatever circumstance, whatever my race has, to run in faith now? Finally, quickly, we get to verse 3. As we consider, again, this idea of run with focus, he says, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. That word consider means to give careful deliberation to, to think about, to meditate on, to consider. So stop with me. I asked you at the beginning, when was the last time you ran? More important question. When was the last time you gave careful, thoughtful, deliberation to Jesus' work to provide salvation for you. 
Like we struggled because we, 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 you know, I've grown up hearing it my entire life. It's the challenge when we come to a communion service to go, hey, you need to focus on this. You need to be reminded of this. This is incredible. And we're like, I know. But we end up taking it for granted. You know how you endure in faith? You give careful deliberation to you, remind yourself of what Jesus did for you. For and consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. He didn't have to. Right? We, we find ourselves when we're struggling, when we're mistreated, like, I just want out. God, I just want some relief. Consider Jesus. He stayed under. And if anybody had a reason and the ability to go, done, it was him. Right? I mean, you read those words in 1 Peter 2 where we're challenged with how we should be willing to suffer. We're reminded that Jesus Christ was reviled. He reviled not again. Right? He, he suffered, but what does he do? He commits himself to the one who judges all things righteously. Like, he could take care of that like so fast. The text here is saying, hey, when you struggle to continue running in faith, consider Jesus. Give careful consideration, perhaps to the humility of his incarnation, or the depth of his love for you, or the sacrifice of himself to atone for sins, or the mercy of his forgiveness, or the abundance of his grace, the power of his miracles. So look and go, God, I want to continue to believe. I want to endure. I want to remain under. God, I want to finish my race well. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the way you've used this text to challenge me in preparing for today. Where we don't know what the course of this year has for us, let alone the course of life as you see fit. But Lord, I ask for each believer here that you would renew their commitment to run in faith, trusting you, enduring regardless of circumstances because of Jesus Christ. God, you've shown us incredible love that we are certainly so undeserving of. But Lord, we would see it but as our reasonable service to give our lives back to you to run the race that is set before us. Lord, I recognize that there are weights that we need to set aside, and I pray that through your word, by your spirit, for each believer here, you would help them to identify areas that are slowing them up in their ability to follow you in obedience to your word. Lord, I, I pray as well for those sins that are tripping them up, that, Lord, we all still battle the flesh. I pray that you would, by your spirit, convict of those sins, and that they would choose to repent and receive just the free, full forgiveness that you promise in your word. 